0: what's going on guys welcome to or welcome back to consuming crime it's your host Jules here before we get started make sure you give the facebook page a like it's i'm gonna put the animation right here for you on the youtube channel so you can see it we are at i think it was like over 300 likes so trying to get to 400 let me see where i'm at yeah okay over 300 trying to get to 400 and if you want to become a supporter of the podcast go ahead and go to consumingcrime.com hit the become a supporter badge and you can donate as little as 99 cents all the way up to whatever you want basically helps sustain future episodes you don't get anything out of it but it would mean the world if you could contribute and without further ado that's it for today's announcements let's jump into today's episode i am continuing to cover homicide hunter with joe kenda you guys seem to really like that series it's also available on discovery plus if you want to watch the actual documentary with like pictures and annotations and just better editing but if you want to hear me tell it that would be awesome too so let's get into today's episode it is called last call for murder same name on discovery plus by the way on may 17th 1986 at one in the morning Pub owner Sonia Rilea is closing up just like any other normal Friday night. There were only a handful of patrons left in the pub, so she leaves them to lock up, along with, I think, a bartender. She falls asleep for the night, and then a few minutes later, her husband is waking her up. He said he drove by the bar and it was on fire. This is a very consistent trend. They go to the bar and see that everything was engulfed in flames and was completely destroyed. This was also set in Colorado Springs, Colorado, by the way. All of Lieutenant Kenda's cases are probably going to be there. One of the firefighters brought out a man. He had been shot in the head and left to die in the fire. They called police and informed them of a potential homicide. Kenda is called onto the scene. The name of the pub was the Ground View Lounge. It was still smoldering and surrounded by chaos. The press, cops, firefighters. There was a lot going on and people were also very emotional. Lying on the sidewalk, Kenda sees three total covered corpses. They have all been shot in the head. I wonder if they would have needed to keep the bodies there for evidence or if there's different protocol when there's a fire. The fire damage was post-mortem. This fire started after they had been killed. The number of shots suggests that there were multiple shooters. Was this revenge? Was this an ex-husband of one of the people and they just went crazy? A terrorist raid? A gang execution? There are endless possibilities. The first person that Kenda questions is Sonia, the owner. She describes this pub as the show Cheers, which is like where everybody knows everyone, everyone has their own seats. It's a very typical neighborhood friendly bar. The victims have now been identified. Deborah Green, James Rupke, joanne mcnamara sonia knew these people deborah was her bartender who had worked there for about a month and she had two small children joanne was like her sister sonia broke down at the news of her death and james was joanne's new boyfriend sonia had been introduced to him that night she said she knew that james was the one for joanne because he was a complete gentleman just her type Kenda asked sonia if she knew anybody that would want to hurt any of the victims She says, no, they were all good people. No one stands out as a potential suspect for me. Detectives interrupt the interview, and they find out that there was a fourth victim. This man had been shot in the head, but he survived and fled the scene. Wow. This man's name was Rob Koritik. Unfortunately, though, because of his head injury, he was not able to recall the assault, nor was he able to describe the person that did this. So, now we're back to square one. Kenda goes back to the crime scene, and he needs to look at the physical evidence, at least what's there, because the fire destroyed most everything. What it didn't destroy was 15 or 20 casings on the ground from a semi-automatic pistol. This person came here to kill, and he had clearly brought extra ammunition. Kenda has an idea on how everything may have unfolded. The killer's intent is to kill only, not to rob, just to kill. That's what he's thinking. The shooter has to think that Robert is dead, although the bullet did not penetrate his skull. Robert is the one that got shot, but he survived. Kenda looks at the ladies room and one of the doors had been kicked in, which means the girls were probably trying to hide in there for safety. That is such a terrifying way to die. There had been bloodstains in there as well, and this is where he did kill the two women. Sonia gives thought to what it must have been like to be hugging a toilet awaiting death. I don't even want to i mean nobody wants to think about that but that is essentially the killer must have started shooting and then they went to hide in the bathroom and yeah i don't even want to think about that that's really sad the arson investigator is saying the killer used three bottles of liquor and a bottle of lighter fluid poured it out and started the fire this was intentional kenda has a hunch that this is going to happen again how does he always have hunches you think he has hunches or you think he's just like later on in the interviews saying that he had hunches so he would look cool if he does have hunches that's pretty freaking cool maybe he should never retire little did he know oh i forgot about this part little did he know it was already happening just around the corner officer howard black went to a nearby convenience store and he noticed he didn't go here to check out a scene though he went here to like get something to drink or something and he noticed one of the glass doors had been broken There was no one around and the gas pumps were still pumping. He saw over-the-counter two young females with gunshot wounds dead. There is now a total of five people dead. The victims were 22-year-old Sandra Howard and her teenage sister Elaine Sandeldecker. Their sister is being interviewed today and she's accounting that they were all very close. The reason that they were all there that night is because sandra started working the graveyard shift just a few days before this happened please don't work the graveyard shift at a liquor store if you can avoid it like man or woman just like please just let them close at 9 p.m i don't need gas after 9 p.m if it makes anybody feel better can we just stop getting gas so that they can not work graveyard anymore this stuff happens way too much you guys sandra did this so she could help support her three sons Elaine was just visiting her big sister so she didn't have to be alone that night for the night shift. That is so sweet. This makes me really sad. This still can't be a typical armed robbery, otherwise he would have taken the money and left. Kenda is thinking the pub didn't have enough money, so the killer went to the store where the doors were locked. This upset the killer, so he broke it with every intent to kill and steal the money. So now he does want to rob but he does want to kill. Maybe his main thing is to kill and his second main thing is to rob kenda does not think that either of the girls suffered and their deaths were instant the father is being interviewed oh man why did i write this down this is really sad and he is in shock to this day he just doesn't understand how two girls that just wanted the best and to provide could have such a tragic end he said he has never cried so much in his life than he did when he lost not just one but two daughters they did not deserve that They definitely did not deserve that. Detectives checked the tapes to calculate how much money he stole. He only ended up between the pub and the convenience store with $233. That's $46 per human life. Kenda remembered that the police department installed dozens of hidden security cameras across stores to catch people in robberies. These are wireless and can be found inside of registers. That is really cool. There is always a bait bill where if the bill is lifted, the camera will go off and take a picture every 3 seconds. Kenda realizes his chances of finding one in this store are slim. He calls one of his robber detectives, asks him about this store. He's like, is one of the cameras in here? He said, yes! The cameras are hidden in a hollow black box made to look like a speaker system. It had a velcro over it and underneath was a 35mm camera. Pretty good quality. They just needed one picture why do i feel like he has a mask like i feel like this dude was wearing a mask and we're gonna get nowhere again the camera lights were red which means it was recording they needed to develop the film so they go and they work on this an hour later the photos are back a lot of them weren't useful just normal business as usual because these are tapes from i don't think they can pull from this date to this date like the camera's like a little bit older so they would have to go through all of it but, near the bottom of the stack, there was a shot of a man in a windbreaker. In his right hand, he was holding the same caliber weapon used in all five murders, and his face is showing. He's not wearing a mask. They can see enough of his face to where they see him. They see enough of his face to where if they see him in person, they're gonna know it's their guy. The one thing that was crazy is it was just one person. It was a single shooter. Kenda calls people from the lounge, other regulars, and they show him the pictures nobody knows him from these pictures they sit down with a woman named kate a cocktail waitress from the grandview she remembered him she's like i remember him from that night he came in he ordered a drink and i had i had left this place just before everything happened she said he actually stood out to me because he looked uncomfortable he was very antsy he was kind of nervous looking and he was sitting by himself people watching they need to find this guy Some detectives think he drove off and is far away now, but Kenda is thinking, he's using his hunch, that it would be more convenient for him to do this locally and walk home. That's quite the theory. That is quite the theory. He walked only as far as he could walk, so he could be home before the first officer arrived on the scene. Officers take a mile radius around the crime scene so they can start looking into who lives where and talking to them. The problem with this is even with all of the officers working around the clock, it would take weeks for them to interview everyone in this radius, and by then, the killer's gonna get like a a red flag, like, oh, they're they're starting to find me, I should probably leave. So that's kind of, it's a good idea, but it's also, it has its flaws. They needed everyone with a badge involved. Fortunately, everyone knew about the situation, so everyone started working on their days off to contribute to the search party. Kenda gave out pictures of the suspect, instructions on canvassing, and what kind of questions to ask. After six hours, over a thousand people had been interviewed, and this search is going nowhere. Kenda is thinking, maybe my idea is wrong and this is all for nothing. That must be such a shit feeling to like put in all these work hours and all this manpower into something and then off of just like an idea and then to be wrong. I'm not going to talk crap because this man is trying, clearly. DA investigator Larry Martin has another idea. He goes to a nearby pizza place. He figures this place could know something. I don't know how. How do you look at a pizza place and you're like, they probably know something and then you go in there. That, mu- that must be like a... I don't know. I, my intuition is terrible, so that could not be me. Is that... Oh. Little onesies in the background. Just ignore that. He calls some employees, but no one recognized the man in the photo. And while he's in the building, while the DA is in the building showing the people picture of him, a delivery man walks in. And he goes, hey, I know that guy. I've delivered to him a couple of times. No s***. Sh- yeah he lives down the street wow that is a stroke of luck if i have ever heard one so kenda's idea was right this man did live within walking distance of the scene he said i don't remember his name but he has a funny last name i don't know that i just know it's funny sounding he lives in the berkshire apartments as they go to these apartments they stumble across another lead they knock on a door and a woman answers she says i don't know him but i have a friend here let me ask her She comes over and she's like, oh yeah, I know him. I went to plumbing school with him. He was a plumber. Talk about a Super Mario brother. His name is Gilbert Archibek. That's not that funny of a last name. She is 100% sure that that man is the man in the photo. Police search records in their database to find his exact address. They find him at the Berkshire apartment, so that was accurate. But this time, instead of having to knock on every unit, they find the unit number. So they pull his prior offenses. the record surprised them and me. there was nothing. he had nothing in his record. he was 29 years old. he came from a middle-class family. he seemed like a normal normal dude. must have... i don't know if he snapped or what happened. the documentary goes into details about him and they talk about his childhood and this and that. For those of you that don't know, Consuming Crime is not about diving deep into killers' mindsets and who they are. I'll tell you their name, but I want to stay away from being like, why is a person the way that they are? Because they don't deserve it, you know? The victims deserve it, and they don't get it. So if you want to know about him, no judgment, but go ahead and go to Discovery Plus and watch Last Call to Murder or For Murder because I'm not going over it. What I will note, though, is on all accounts it seems like he went from 0 to 100 in rage level. officers decided to call the swat team because of the potential danger they were walking into. good idea. 29 years old and i mean this in the most disrespectful way but he looks older than 29. kenda meets with the surveillance team who has had him on surveillance all afternoon from the apartment's management's office. his car is in the parking lot and so they believe that he is home. he could be walking somewhere. we don't know. he walked before. just playing devil's advocate. They need to get his neighbors out of the building in case of a gun battle because bullets will go through drywall. I would not have thought of this if I was a detective, so I'm so glad I'm not. (laughs) I would have just been like, oh, I didn't think about the neighbors. Okay, so they evacuate neighbors and some of them are still like in their robes. Man, I would be so nosy. I don't have my camera out and everything. His place is surrounded. Kenda hands the phone over to a police negotiator so he can call Archibek, And to everybody's surprise and... This is a twist, a female answers the phone. Shit. now we have a hostage situation, or we could have a hostage situation. They ask for Gil and she says, just a minute, and now Gil is on the phone. They tell him, we have a warrant for your arrest on five counts of murder. They just They just jumped right into it, okay. You need to come out of the apartment now. He sets the phone down and you can hear the start of commotion. The woman starts asking, is that the police? Why are the police outside? What did you do? Scary, because I don't want him to shoot her. Gil picks up the phone, and he said, did you hear what we just said? Officers respond, what are you going to do? And then they hear the woman scream and gunshots. The SWAT team is sent in immediately, and they bust down the doorway. When they get inside, they follow the scream. She's still screaming, so she's alive. And they follow the screams into the master bedroom she was alone hands in the air wearing only a pair of panties <laughs> that's so awkward that's i mean i know you have other things on your mind but just imagine no oh, that's weird that's awkward officers find gilbert in the bathroom with the top of his head in the bathtub he had shot himself i don't know how to feel about that like i just feel like it's like the coward's way out and i definitely think that he should have suffered in prison but I mean, Kenda makes a good point. He says, wow, like, you save the taxpayers a lot of money. So, I guess if you're looking for the bright side, there's that. In the apartment, they find the jacket that he was wearing in the photos, as well as the cash that was missing. The motive to Kenda makes no sense. Kenda goes to question the woman in his apartment. Maybe she knew something. She was an on-again, off-again girlfriend of Gilbert, and she does not know why, but maybe if there's a reason it could be this one he used cocaine and it became an addiction so now kenda's thinking okay if he had a drug addiction and a financial need those two things combined could be motive other people are also thinking that this evil dark side of him was in him all along i'm not really buying that it was just for the money and the cocaine because that's a lot of people to kill that's a lot of people to kill for money and if you're going to do that, put on a mask. You have a gun, just take the money and go. But he intentionally did not wear a mask so that people would see him, so that he would feel the need to kill them because they're now witnesses. So, I don't get it either. That's that's the end of the episode. I'm just sitting here kind of pondering. What do you guys think? What are what are your thoughts? I didn't ask you guys a whole lot of questions this episode. I kind of just I kind of just went through. I didn't make a whole lot of commentary either. Um I just feel like this episode was really sad like there wasn't it was very straightforward there weren't a lot of twists and turns it was just a lot of murder for no reason it's always for no reason but like this is really like why did you do that you were just feeling like a psychopath so you went and like i don't know i, I could sit here and try to justify it or think of a why all day but i'm not going to anyway um rest in peace of course to deborah green James Rupke, Joanne McNamara, Sandra Howard, and Elaine Sandeldecker, And of course, I hope all is well to Robert Kurtik, who was the man that got shot and survived. That's it for today, guys. Thank you for consuming crime with me today, and you will hear me next week.